morning. Oh man, that was terrible. Good morning. There we go. It's great to have you here. Thank you for joining us this morning as we worship the Lord together here at Word of Life Chapel. A couple of announcements to share with you as we begin our service this morning. First of all, um, the, the two 12 months of serving things coming up. Now, if you look in your bulletin, there's this little sheet right here. Uh, why don't you hold that up for me? On the bottom, it says, bring a friend. Can you hold it up? Make sure everybody got one. Hold it up in the air. Yeah, you know I like to do this just to make sure. Great. Now, you, by holding it up in the air, are committing to giving this to somebody, right? This week, one person, one sheet, very easy to do. Please make sure you give this to someone. Listen, what, what this is going to be is it's going to be an opportunity to bring in people, um, whether it's our Awana families or the community or our church family. We're actually going to stop the movie about halfway through and have a short little gospel presentation. Um, again, if people don't know the Lord, they're going to be able to hear it. Um, and so this is, it's all free. Everything is completely free. In the top corner, you see where it says, Hands of God, a service ministry. Twelve months of serving, that, that ministry is going to be called Hands of God. So if you start seeing Hands of God coming up in more places, that's what it's referring to. The twelve months of ministry, the twelve months of serving ministry that is happening. In your bulletin, it says that in March, on March 2nd, we're going to be going to Hillside Church to do God's puzzle pieces. Um, we just found out that that date is actually incorrect. Usually they meet on the second, on the first Saturday, which would be the second, but they're actually meeting on the second Saturday, which is the ninth. So if you are interested in participating in that, it's going to be on March 9th, March 9th. Please see Jan Hoffner um, if you are interested in being involved with that. Would you pray with me as we begin our service this morning? Gracious God, we are so thankful for your love for us. We're thankful that we can be here together. Father, we're thankful that we can talk about having things like a movie night that we can open up to the community at a church, Father, and for the freedoms that we have in this country that are so often taken for granted. Father, we ask that you would, Father, help us this morning to leave all of our distractions at the door. Father, may we be focused on you. Lord, we see Nancy with us this morning, and Father, we just jump for joy in that. Father, that our church family, uh, we have Nancy back again. Father, we ask that everything that's said and done in this service, may it bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah. 
take a few moments to stand up, step out, turn around, shake a hand, welcome those around you to our service this morning. Good job. Good job. Nice. Yeah, you think, you think Donna will ever show up on time? I invite you to take your hymn book now and join me with singing hymn number 318, 318, When We Walk With the Lord.
Well, it is good to see Nancy this morning. Welcome back. Gave the thumbs up. That's good. And it's also good to see Craig Williams here with us this morning, right here. Craig was in the hospital with sepsis for a few days, but uh, now is home and, and doing much better. And uh, we certainly need to keep these uh, folks in our prayers. Um, let me mention something. I know I think some of you might be a little bit confused as far as the uh, church cancellation um, announcement is concerned. Um, we announce it in three net ways. On Facebook, you can call into the church, and I have a list of email uh, addresses that I send to uh, early in the morning on Sunday. My address list is not the same one as the prayer list. Uh, some of you have asked, why aren't I getting the emails when church is canceled? Well, if you're not on my list, <laughs> not the prayer list. They're two separate lists. Um, but if you want to be on my list and get a call by 7 o'clock on Sunday morning that church is canceled, let me know. You need to email me and say, I want on your list, and then I'll put you on. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we are thankful this morning, so thankful, Lord, that we are able once again to come before your throne. Father, we come praising you for all the great and wonderful things that you have done on our behalf. Lord, you've given us a salvation which is rich and free, a salvation, Lord, that assures us of a place in heaven kept and reserved, a place without spot, a place, Lord, that is pure, a place, Lord, with no sin, no crying, no pain. Father, for that day when Jesus comes and receives us unto himself, we look forward. But Lord, until that day, there is much to be done here on earth. Lord, we have a world that needs to hear the name of Jesus. We have a community, Lord, that often lives in darkness and needs to know that there is light and hope. And so help us as your ambassadors to do what we need to do to reach out into our world. Father, we are thankful this morning that you have allowed Craig to come back with us and, and, and Nancy as well. And Father, we continue to pray that you would work in the lives of these two. Lord, you would continue to give them strength and, and health. And Father, we certainly thank you that they can join us today here in this sanctuary. Father, we are so thankful for this church. Thank you, Father, that we can come together on this day, be surrounded by your children, to be a part of this family. Lord, it's good. It's good to be able to come apart from the world and be removed from the distractions that are outside. Father, we know, however, that we don't leave everything outside when we come into this place, Lord. We, we come with much baggage. We pray, Lord, that you might help us. Help us, Lord, to be able to focus. Help us, Lord, to be able to think about the things of God and the things that we might be hearing. And we ask that your spirit, Lord, might work in us in a new way, in a fresh way, to take your word and apply it to right where we are. Lord, we know the topic before us this morning is it's something we all need to hear. James speaks of the tongue 
and how we need to control it. So we pray, Lord, that you might work in our hearts. Help us to understand what the scriptures teach. And help us to leave from here changed and new. And help us, Lord, to be able to control the things we say. For it is a reflection upon our heart. So, Father, we thank you for this good time, and we thank you, Lord, for the ministry of music. Lift us again, Lord, into your very presence as we sing praises to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us? We continue to worship the Lord together this morning. There's revival, and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week. revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart Sunday morning hallelujah and it's lasting all week long can you hear it can you feel it it's the rhythm of a gospel song Desperation 
darkness, your loving kindness, and soar through the shadows of my soul. with difficult circumstances in our lives, some more difficult than others. One of the questions I think that we ask ourselves or we should ask ourselves is how do we respond to those difficult situations? Do we raise our fists towards God and, and ask him why is this happening? Or do we raise a hallelujah and tell him that he's in control of all things? This, this next song is uh, very simple, very simple, but so powerful. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. Louder than the unbelief 
write the song the Lord put the words in their heart and so when you put that into perspective it gives a little bit of a different twist to the song I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me with everything inside of me I raise a hallelujah and I will walk darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah. Even when I don't know why, in the middle of the mystery, in the middle of the mystery, I raise a Pastor Bob, the words that you want him to speak. Father, may the Spirit speak so clear and true in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so we open with a question, and I need honesty. If your tongue has ever got you in trouble, <laughs> would you raise your hand? Now, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not surprised. <laughs> you know, we're not surprised that every hand, I believe, went up. Because it happens to all of us. We have all stuck our foot in our mouths. We've all done it. All of us have said something that we wish we could retract. We wish we could take back. We wish we had never, ever said it. But we all know that once spoken, it's too late. The lady went to the counselor and asked, how can I control my tongue? And after about a half hour session, the counselor told her to go home and gave her an assignment. He said, I want you to find an old pillow in your house. And I want you to slit that pillow and take all of those feathers and dump them in your backyard. 
and then call me tomorrow. Now that wise counselor, he knew that it was to get windy overnight. And so when she calls him, he says, now go out with your pillow and collect all of those feathers. And she looks out her window and says, that's impossible. And he said, so it is with your words. Once you've spread them, you can never bring them back. There was a sports writer one time, and he wrote about a fine that was levied on a baseball manager who had chewed out the baseball commissioner. And this sports writer, he actually defended the baseball manager. In an article, he wrote this. After all, these were just words. Just words? Are you kidding me? There is no such thing as just words. Sticks and stones might break my back, but words can never hurt me. That is so stupid, right? Words don't hurt? You know, the Bible says a lot about the power that's found in a word. There is so much power carried by words and so much weight. The Bible has so much to say about the tongue, about speech, about words, about our mouth. Before we open up and we look at the book of James, I want to show you a few verses from the book of Proverbs. And then I'm going to read another one from James that's included in this list. It says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent, they hold their tongue. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Now, this last verse is from James, and we read this a couple of weeks ago. Those who consider themselves religious, and yet they do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. In other words, a person can go to church every Sunday, and if they leave church and start wagging their tongues and gossiping and slandering and criticizing people, it negates everything they've done in that service. If we don't properly use our tongue, our religion is worthless. James says, that's a pretty serious statement. And I think it reminds us of how serious this matter really is. That in that verse that we just read, James says that a loose tongue can undo and override an otherwise godly life. Think of that. James says you deceive yourself into thinking that you're a religious person if you can't hold your tongue sing this with me <laughs> as children we used to sing this song let's sing it together oh be careful little tongue what you say oh be careful little tongue what you say there's a Father up above looking down in tender love. So be careful, little tongue, what you say. What a great choir. So take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 3. Let's look at what James has to say about the tongue. We have been looking at one of the most, if not the most, practical books in all the Word of God. James just hits us all the time below the belt. 
He's always stepping on toes. That's what James does as the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Look at James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who, never, uh, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. The first point is this, that anyone who can control the tongue gains control of himself in all other areas of life. He begins by speaking about teachers because teachers have a great influence upon other people and therefore they will be held accountable. They will be judged more strictly. But unless you think you're not a teacher or unless you live in a cave somewhere, we're all teachers. We're all being watched. We're all being listened to. You parents, you are teachers. You have a huge influence upon your children. They listen to you. They watch you. You are their example. And James doesn't say not to be teachers to discourage, but to take the responsibility seriously. Teachers must be careful what they say with their words, and also with their lives. It was Abraham Lincoln who said, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. There are high stakes involved. High stakes involved. But then James moves to verse 2, and he enlarges his audience using the word we, in other words, he's now including himself. He says, I too make mistakes with words. I too make mistakes with words. But at the same, same time, we show our maturity when we're able to control the tongue. And if a person disciplines his tongue, then he is able to control the rest of the areas of his life. In other words, the tongue is one of the biggest problems we have. But if we can control it, then we can control other things we do. A true mark of Christian maturity is the tongue. And therefore, James says, he's perfect, the one who can keep his tongue in check. Why is that? Why is James making such a big deal about words we say, things we speak? Go back to Matthew chapter 12, and let's listen to what Jesus has to say. James is, of course, the half-brother of, of uh, Jesus. They grew up together and we read in chapter 12 of the book of Matthew, starting at verse 33, these words. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. Now, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He doesn't have much good to say about them, and he often calls them names, like right here. You brood of vipers. How can you, who are evil, say anything good? Now listen. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things up out of what is stored in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account that on the day of judgment for every empty or careless word that they have spoken. 
You see, the reason James takes a half a chapter to deal with the tongue is because what comes out of the mouth comes directly from the heart. What is in the heart comes up out and expresses itself in words. And Jesus says, a good tree will produce good fruit. A good heart will produce good words and vice versa. A bad tree produces bad fruit and a bad evil heart is going to produce bad, evil, wicked speech. You know, when you go to the doctor, one of the first things the doctor says is, what, stick out your tongue. Why does he say that? Well, he says it because the tongue reveals a lot about your physical condition. Dr. James, in chapter 3, he says, stick out your tongue. I want to see the state of your heart because the tongue reveals a lot about your spiritual condition. And so when someone has a tongue issue, it's not really a tongue issue, it's a heart issue. Because what comes out of the mouth comes directly from what's in the heart. That's what Jesus just said. That's what Jesus just said. So how can something this small, this tiny little organ in our mouths, how can it cause such damage or such goodness? Well, James then, he goes on to say, and he gives us three illustrations of how something small can control something very big. In chapter 3 and verse 3, we read this. Now I'm back in James 3. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. In this point, James says the tongue it's very small, but oh so powerful. You know, typically the tongue in your mouth is about 3.3 inches. The world record is 3.97 inches, a four-inch tongue. <laughs> the tongue has many functions. The tongue helps us to chew, to swallow, to taste. But the function James speaks of in this chapter, he's addressing speech. He's addressing words we say. And so he says it's a small organ in the body, but it's such a powerful, powerful one. And so he uses these three illustrations. He says, think about the bit that's put in a horse's mouth. The horse is a very large animal, and that large animal can be, can be controlled by a very small bit. Even a small child can control that horse around the barnyard. What about the rudder? The rudder can control a very large ship. Some of you, you've been on cruise ships, floating cities, hundreds and hundreds of feet in length, thousands and thousands of tons, and yet steered by a very small rudder in comparison to the size of the ship. And what about a spark? 
You sing that song, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Now that speaks of God's love, but it's true out in the forest as well. We think of California. We often read in the news of the forest fires that, that sweep across the state, caused by someone carelessly throwing a cigarette out of a car or maybe a, a lightning strike. So the point James is making here is that pound for pound, the tongue might be small, but oh, so powerful. One of the verses we read in Proverbs said that the tongue has the power of life and death. You see, the power in the tongue can be used in two ways. The tongue can accomplish good or the tongue can accomplish evil. Every time you open your mouth, you speak love or you speak hate. You heal or you wound. You create unity or you create division. You build others up or you tear them down. You compliment or you complain. Oh, but they're just words. Just words? There are no, there's no such thing as just words. And James says in verse 6, and this is how most commentaries Look at this at the very end. It says, and is itself, it's set on fire by hell. Most say the source of evil tongues is the devil himself. That Satan's got your tongue. When you criticize, when you gossip, when you slander, Satan has your tongue. David Roper in his small but powerful commentary on the book of James says this. He looks at verse 5, and if you listen carefully in verse 5, it says, the tongue, it boasts, it brags. The tongue, though very small, it makes great boasts. Look at what I can do, says the tongue, as it struts and as it brags. I can ruin a reputation. I can destroy a life work. I can rupture a long-standing relationship. I can crush the strongest spirit. I can spoil the tenderest moment. I can humiliate. I can embarrass. I can shame. I can curse. I can cut. I can kill. The tongue, says James, it corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is in itself set on fire by hell. The tongue defiles every part of our being and every moment of our lives from the cradle to the grave. It burns its way through our life cycle, to use James's exact expression, like an out-of-control forest fire, leaving devastation and ruin. Only in death will it die. In the words of an old tombstone inscription, beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Robert Andrew Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold his tongue. James is quite upfront as he speaks of the tongue. You've heard the expression, cat got your tongue? Cat got your tongue? Sort of a humorous question directed at someone who's really not speaking very much. What's wrong, Sonny? Cat got your tongue? But when we speak evil, James says, the devil's got our tongue. When we speak evil and wicked things, the devil has control of our tongue. It's set on fire by hell itself. You say, come on, James, lighten up. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, James, that, that's enough. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Look at verse 7. 
all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Point number three, the tongue is uncontrollably dangerous. James uses four classes of animals. Those who walk, those that fly, those that crawl, and those that swim. And says all of these can be tamed, but not the tongue. The tongue is restless. You can almost see it pacing. The tongue is a restless evil, like the fangs of a snake, filled with lethal venom ready to destroy reputations, ready to destroy families, ready to destroy futures. The tongue's ready to strike. Dr. Jeremiah, in his commentary, he has a section that he has entitled, The Poison of Gossip. The Poison of Gossip. And this is how he starts that section. Gossip has been dubbed the favorite indoor sport of many who call themselves Christians. Gossip has been dubbed the favorite indoor sport of many who call themselves Christians. Another verse in Proverbs says this, he who repeats a matter separates friends. Just because you know something doesn't mean you have to share it. Just because you know something, it doesn't mean you have to repeat it. Just because you know something, it doesn't mean you have to say it. Proverbs 6, verse 16. And I know some of you probably have heard this verse or have memorized this, this verse, but it speaks of six things God hates, that he sees detestable. And then it goes on to say, and oh, there's the seventh one as well. Someone did a study in the original language of that verse. And they came to this conclusion that there are six things that God hates. But there's a seventh one that God hates even more than, that sixth, than the sixth, first six ones. Now let me read them to you. The first six, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, murder, a wicked heart, feet eager to do evil, and a false testimony. And here's the seventh. Those who stir up trouble among the brothers. Those who gossip, those who slander and stir up trouble within the church. You know, sometimes I think we get a little bit unsensitive to the things we say and how hurtful things can be. You've all heard this little illustration of the frog in the kettle, right? A frog was placed in a kettle filled with water, and then the heat is turned up very slowly, and after a while, that water gets warmer and warmer and hotter and hotter until finally it boils and the frog eventually dies. It doesn't realize that the heat has been slowly turned up until it's too late. His nerve endings, they become desensitized in the heated waters. And someone likened that to Christians, that we, like the frog, we too can numb our spiritual nerve endings and become insensitive to the problem of destructive speech. And we get at times where we don't even recognize that our speech hurts. And like the snake's venom, like the poison of gossip and slander, like the cancer of criticism and contentious speech, it must be silenced. Come on, James, lighten up. We're done now, aren't we? James says, no, I got one more thing I need to say. Look at verse 9. 
He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And so finally, we come to the last point, and it's this. The tongue is terribly inconsistent. The tongue is terribly inconsistent. Fresh water and salt water cannot come from the same source. It's impossible. A fig tree cannot produce olives. It's impossible. Nor can the grapevine produce figs. Nature is consistent. The tongue is not. From the same source, the heart, will come righteousness and rumors, blessings and blastings, compliments and cursings. We praise God one minute and we curse man the next. Here you are in church. You're enjoying a service, I hope, that is powerful and moving as we sang, as we prayed, as we listened to God's word. And you'll leave here, I hope, a bit inspired, upbeat, praising God. Then you get in your car. And somewhere out here you get cut off by another car. And I don't have to repeat the end of the story. One minute we praise God, and the next minute we're cursing man. And James asks these questions. And it's interesting because if you notice, James, he really doesn't draw a conclusion from these illustrations, from these examples. It's so obvious, I suppose, because these illustrate that man's tongue is inconsistent. And I suppose James really doesn't have to apply these closing verses. And so he kind of ends his chapter very abruptly. So am I just as he did. The application is understood. Amen. Would you take your hymn books and turn with me to hymn number 385. Hymn number 385. Now I threw off the accompanists. See, they're, they're, they're not ready. They're all uh, you know, kind of scrambling now to get to the piano and organ. Sorry, I should have given you a little... Heads up. 385, take my life and let it be. Let's stand together. We'll sing all four stanzas and we'll be, we'll be dismissed. <clears throat> take my life and let it be consecrated.
my lips. Take my lips. Here it comes. Here's the application. Take my lips. Filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold. Would I withhold? Come, I would I withhold? Take my love, my God, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself. Father, we thank you for the ability to speak and communicate and share. But, oh Lord, help us, as James states, help us to be able to hold and rein in our tongue. Father, we thank you for the power of your spirit within us that is able to do all things through us. May your spirit, may his power, Father, be manifest in our speech. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.